We're all missing travel right now, but you know what else we're missing? Getting more. With Priceline, you can save up to 60% on your favorite hotels, and you can also get exclusive deals on car rentals and flights. And when you save more, you can do more. More, wow, mmm, and yes! Priceline knows that every trip is a big deal. So when you're ready to book your next one, visit Priceline.com for the easiest way to get more out of it. And don't forget to download the Priceline app for even more savings. What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number five of the That's So Mets podcast. I'm your host, Connor Rogers, joined by my co-host, Joe DeMeo, and we are coming off an NFL weekend, so it almost felt weird for a little bit there to, to dive right into the Mets. But as always, uh, the Mets are in the news, and for a lot of Mets fans, it is for the right reasons, as Steve Cohen has officially made a deal to buy the Mets. I believe it'll be for 95% of an ownership stake and the last step in all of this is for him to be approved by 23 of the MLB owners so that is what's dominating the Mets headlines at the time we record this podcast the team is 21 and 26 time is running out but the theme of our show has kind of been hey it's you know not all our eggs are in the basket of this year we are looking for the future we are excited for the future with that being said Joe how are we feeling right now about our New York Mets and this deal finally uh, across the finish line, just awaiting approval. Finally, the ink is dry. He wrote his name on a piece of paper. The Wilpons wrote their name on a piece of paper. And the Mets are being sold to Steve Cohen. I know that there's certainly been some thought in the back of some people's heads that this is still too good to be true. Something's going to fall apart here. And you still have some people today that are like, well, he still has to get approved, so that's that's another step. I, I don't. I still think people are not willing to, uh, you know, go too far ahead of themselves. But I think it's it's time to just say it. Steve Cohen is going to own the Mets. There is no chance Major League Baseball would allow. We said this a couple weeks ago. There's no way Major League Baseball would allow the negotiation to get to that point where it would be exclusive. They certainly would not allow Steve Cohen to sign papers to own the Mets without some inkling that he's going to get approved. Now the question's going to become, when is that approval? By all accounts, it sounds like it's going to be at the November owners meetings, which may or may not happen. At least in person, it might end up being a virtual thing. But you have, you know, the Marlins. When the Marlins sold to Derek Jeter and his group, they got approved the day after the season ended at the end of September. But the Royals got approved at the owners' meetings when they were sold. So I don't really know when the approval is actually going to happen. Would it shock me if shortly after the season, all of a sudden it comes out that he got approved? No, it wouldn't. But as of now, most expectation is that that approval will happen at the owners meetings however they do them in November which to me the timing makes a huge difference as to where this team is going to go if you're talking about a late September approval it's really easy to just blow things up if he wants to fire Brody 
fire whoever else he wants to fire and you know start over scratch the question and i'll even ask you do you think it's a little harder to do all those things if the approval happens let's just call it november 15th for a date at that point you're three weeks into the off season it's time to to go it's time to have you you can't be developing your off season plan in the middle of november you have to be in the process of process of executing your offseason plan in the middle of November. Yeah, I think so. I think when you look at it, it, it makes a huge difference, like you said. Now, my thought is financially, it won't be a problem, right? Steve Cohen is probably well aware um, and also probably does not care what amount of money he has to throw into the free agent pool, which in baseball is is also typically a little slow, right? Like with the NFL, which I cover free agency heavily for Bleacher Report, we also wait on that like midnight hour at times. It's amazing how deals are, we always joke, deals are done at the combine. Uh, it's Sure, it's tampering, but that's when they get done and then they get finalized when free agency starts. With baseball, it's a little bit more of a slower build, which benefits the Mets in this situation. Now, something that some people in baseball media, I know John Heyman has been one, are echoing is agents are aware of the power play now that is Steve Cohen. You could sit there, you know, if you're repping a JT Real Muto, why would you negotiate with the Phillies right now? If you have any idea what you're doing as an agent, you get your guy to the open market and you say, those New York Mets just got bought by a $14 billion man gauge their interest you're probably safe to assume there will be interest at a position of premium need and then you can go back to the client you can go back to the Phillies and leverage for more money so this just being in the news right now is vital right that this didn't drag out there's not and we're going to talk a little bit about the A-Rod nonsense at this point but it didn't drag out where it's still down to Steve Cohen and the A-Rod group this is Steve Cohen has bought the Mets that's what has happened Everyone in baseball is now aware of it. Uh, There are rumblings out there that, you know, and you have been on this since the beginning, that there is a feeling he will be approved by MLB owners. Now, I think what is most interesting is something you alluded to at the end of that, is that what is this front office going to look like? Who is going to be making the baseball decisions? This isn't Steve Cohen coming in and acting like Jerry Jones and saying, you know, I- I'm going to make football decisions right now. It's it's He's coming in and he's going to have baseball people. Now, something crazy, not crazy, but some rumbling I have heard, which would still surprise me a little bit, is that he would consider bringing back Sandy Alderson into a baseball role. Now, Sandy will turn 73 in November, so... You know, that's that's an maybe it'll be more of an advising role, a consulting role. But I I have heard rumblings that that would be an option on the table for Steve Cohen. Now, maybe what you do is if the the approval comes in so late that you're not going to make a change at GM, maybe you do keep Brody in that spot and you bring in a guy, maybe if it's not Sandy, but a guy like Sandy as an advisor that's there cross-checking moves that Brody wants to make. And on the flip side of all of this, something you and I have talked about a lot, Joe, is Brody is a money man. He's actually pretty good with money in a sense of understanding what the market is, having the connections with other agents, having the relationships with other agents. Like you've said before, 
you don't just go out and get who you want, right? I mean, remember the year the Yankees thought Patrick Corbin was a lock to come to them, and then he, he didn't, and it shocked the world. Those things happen in baseball all the time. So you need to understand the market. You need to understand who's for real. Not New York is not for everyone. I mean, you and I are, are tri-state area guys, but we also have the realization that you know, maybe a guy from Nebraska or Texas, wherever it may be, might not be dying to come play baseball in New York. And that's okay. But those are factors that you need to prepare for when you're a general manager going into free agency. And you would hope, you would hope, there's a lot of bad things that Brody has done, but you would hope that an advantage to having him is understanding the free agent market and having the insider info from other agents. So, this is fascinating to me. It's obviously exciting to me, and it's going to make for what I think this offseason will be a wild ride. I'm not in the party that's saying, hey, the Mets are going to go out and sign JT Real Muto, Trevor Bauer. They're going to trade for Nolan Arenado. They're going to, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's going to be like that. But do I think the Mets are going to be in on these guys? Yes. Do I think the Mets can land JT Real Muto? Yes. Do I think they can get an extension done with Michael Conforto before spring training? Absolutely. Those are things that should make you feel good as a Mets fan. Absolutely. Totally agree. And that I definitely want to caution fans because certainly I, I see you all in my mentions and, you know, I follow some of you. So I see the things you're tweeting and they aren't going to sign everybody. Frankly, I would wager that they won't sign Real Muto and Bauer. I just don't, I just don't know if how real. Who would you pick? That's that's <laughs> tough. Um, I would say I would lean Real Muto because uh, I too. think the catching position has been such a dark hole for this team, and you actually have the option to sign the very best at the position. Whereas Bauer, great pitcher. Don't get me wrong, he's. He'd easily slide in as the number two, even if Syndergaard were healthy and everything here. But I don't know if I would side with a possible one-year deal on Trevor Bauer. You know, that that's enticing, don't get me wrong. You know, one year, no commitment, just get the best of him, and he goes on to somewhere else next year for another one-year deal. But I think Real Muto is, is the guy, and if I were in charge, I would... I would make the recommendation to make an all-out pursuit of JT Realmuto, obviously within some level of reason. But with, with all the money the Mets are going to have, they're going to be in in the conversation on everybody. If someone is out there that's a major player, the Mets are going to be mentioned with the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Phillies. And that that's really what I'm asking for. And the Mets might get used for their money at some point. And isn't that a real turn of events that the Mets will be used for how much money they have uh, by agents. But as, as far as Brody goes, again, I don't think Brody is a good general manager. I'm, I like to think, I don't think anyone else really thinks he's a good general manager. With that said, he's been hamstrung like Sandy was hamstrung and Sandy had a lot more front office savvy. Brody came from the agent world. It, 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 was, it was a tough transition for him. And if the approval doesn't happen till mid-November, don't be surprised if Brody is not fired. Don't be surprised if he's back as GM. And like you said, maybe they bring in a Sandy Alderson or someone of the like to be another advisor in his ear. Like, hey, don't do something really stupid. But how do we think Brody would do well if he was given money? I, I think his aggressive mindset, generally speaking would 
help if he had more of a financial backing and a bigger budget to do kind of what he wanted to do. And let's not forget, you know, he was JT Real Muto's agent. So that's not a bad uh, guy to have on your side if your main target is JT Real Muto. Having his former agent able to talk to him, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So we're going to get killed for not saying fire Brody, fire everyone. But and if, if Steve Cohen took over in two weeks... I would say fire Brody because then you have time to interview people. You have time to, once you hire someone to actually build a plan for what you want to do in the off season, that's really tough to do if you start the interview and all that process in the middle of November, because you're not hiring someone by the, until maybe the winter meetings. That is not the way that I would want Steve Cohen to address his first off season as owner. And I think something that you, you have to take into account here is, and, and Mets fans might not be used to this necessarily, I mean, I know I'm definitely not, is that when you have Steve Cohen coming in, you actually have some hiring power for once, right? And I guess we can get into Rojas a bit here, because I have a very different stance on Rojas. But with Brody... You know, I'm admittedly excited to see how his drafts pan out. His trades and free agencies have been disasters. You know, budget or no budget, it's been a mess. I I think Brody is generally, I think he's generally a likable guy, but this is about baseball moves, and the Mets will have hiring power. And that is, I remember, you know, maybe two years ago now or a year ago, I'd often ask, uh, friends and connections that that work in the NFL in personnel and scouting and I'd always you know poke around the question and say man if, if you can land in one spot as a you know a director or GM or whatever it may be where, where would it be and the answer of Carolina coming up so much at first blew my mind and then I'd say why and they'd go well you know David Tepper buying the team the man is worth 13 billion dollars uh, a lot of people at the time, you know, really liked his forward thinking or open nature to uh, everything, you know, better facilities, analytics, this and that. And you saw it come, you know, to pieces, come together this winter when they hired Matt Rule to a, a wild contract for a college coach. A, a truly, and Matt Rule said it himself, you know, he didn't even expect to go there. And then when he met Tepper and he, he wouldn't let him leave you kind of hope that for the Mets, it's a bit of the same, right? Like think big. And and I'm not going to sit here, Joe, you might actually have some names in the top of your, on the top of your list, top of your head, but now you could think big. You're not going out. And I mean, you're not looking at, (laughs) I hate to bring up the, the bargain aisle again, or the, (laughs) whatever Scott Boris calls it, but you can think big at GM. People are going to come and want to work for you. They're going to want to go work for the Mets. They're going to want to, make a great salary and have a budget to hire a team of people that are smart forward thinkers and have resources and, you know, go out and sign players in free agency. You can think really, really big. And that's another exciting factor that just not a lot of people are talking about for a potential Mets life after Brody. And one thing about Steve Cohen, uh, I'm reading the black edge uh, about him. And also I've certainly done a ton of research into kind of how he's operated one thing that Brody, why am I saying Brody? Did I say Brody three times when I'm talking about Steve Cohen? Um, I, okay, no, just, just once. once. All right, good. <laughs> well, anyway, Steve Cohen 
in his past has a history of sparing no expense when bringing in the best that he can in different fields of analytics of business and everything related to you know the hedge fund world he spared no expense and he allowed people to do their jobs he allowed people to say this guy knows more about this than i do so i'm going to pay him so that way he comes to me and helps me and but if you underperform he has no no problem at all just kicking you to the curb so high pressure of performance but i do think he will trust the people he hires and i think analytics are going to be a big part of the mets going forward under steve cohen if if i were steve cohen i would be trying to ransack the yankees i'll be trying to ransack the dodgers i'll be trying to ransack the astros I'd be trying to ransack the Rays, the Padres. Those are the kind of teams very analytically driven that I would be going after hard to build up a robust analytics department. I'm talking, I want I want double-digit people in that department for sure. And I want as much of the best of the best that I could get and spare no expense to do so. But as far as general manager, the one name that I would say keep your eye on David Stearns with the Milwaukee Brewers. He, he's the GM there, and he grew up in the Mets baseball ops. He's a New York guy, grew up a Mets fan, all that good stuff, just like Steve Cohen. And I'm, I've heard rumblings that, you know, the Mets job is one he would like to have at some point in his career. Uh, I don't think it'll be simple to just pull him out of Milwaukee. You'll have to certainly open up that wallet i'm sure but that would be a name i would watch i think david stearns is is an interesting one but we we don't know we don't know what steve cohen's thought process is maybe he wants someone super veteran maybe he's thinking theo epstein you know someone who's been around the block for a while as one maybe he's maybe he's looking for the up-and-coming next great guy like jason mcleod from the cubs Maybe that's the kind of thing that he's thinking. So we don't know. It's fun to speculate. But like you said, I think you can think big. I don't think he's going to be afraid to spend money to get the right people in place to push the Mets to the point of where he wants to be, which is winning. Steve Cohen cares about winning. He has only cared about winning his entire life, whether it comes, whether it's buying houses, he's going to outbid someone by $4 million and pay in cash to make sure he gets it, whether it's beating A-Rod and J-Lo and making them hear the word no for the first time in their life. You know, Steve Cohen wins. That's what he does. He wins. What he wants, he gets. And I think that's the mindset he's going to bring to the Mets. And, you know, does it work? Jury is out. We certainly will see if it works out. But I want a guy with that kind of mindset owning my baseball team. Honestly, I'm just smiling hearing that because it's it's refreshing uh, it's a change. It's a difference. And, and I think it leads to a conversation of something that really hasn't been talked about a lot is what is the future for Luis Rojas? And I think I'll, I'll say this. I like Luis Rojas. I like his relationships with players, especially younger guys he coached in the system. I think Rojas deserves a lot of credit for what not for what we've seen from Andres Jimenez, but giving him as a chance. I mean, most of us didn't even think he'd be on the team this year. And Rojas, I think, was a driving force for him getting a real shot at the job. 
and taking advantage of being this team's shortstop. So I know Rojas has not always made the smartest decisions at the bullpen. I think he's creative with the lineups. I don't know a coach that would be able to navigate what they've dealt with with the starting pitching. I mean, Rick Porcello and Michael Waka can't make it past three innings. You know, they tried to stretch out. They had no choice but to stretch out Gesellman and Lugo. You know, Lugo's great, sure, but Gesellman is just it was a disaster. I mean, you lost Syndergaard. You lost Stroman. It, there's just not really any answer, right? I mean, there's nobody... Nobody can find an answer with that. And the team actually scores enough runs where they're not a last-place team. That's that The pitching has been horrendous. Let's just call it what it is. And they somehow have at least made it a little interesting this year. So I, I would just like to know where you stand with Rojas. I think my idea is he gets at least one more year um, it, because I, I think he's good with the players, and I think he's a smart baseball guy. And, and I'm not in the camp of just – hire and fire a guy after one year where he he hasn't looked lost in my eyes for a young manager. He hasn't looked lost, and it's a 60-game season. He managed a 60-game season. You. He yes. didn't manage a 162-game season and crap and crap Great the point. bed. You know, he he's done some good and some bad, but, you know, like you mentioned with managing the bullpen, what is there to manage? The bullpen has been awful. What is the right decision? You put in a different awful pitcher? <laughs> like, there was n- there was no real managing the bullpen right. And the one thing that I have noticed a lot of people complaining about is when he's pulling starting pitchers. But I think part of that is they're not being transparent with the fans and probably for competitive purposes on pitch counts. Like, David Peterson got pulled the other day on 82 pitches or whatever, and they were like, well, why'd you pull him? He was pitching well. Well, his pitch count was 90. That's why. We're not, when you have eight pitches left, we're not putting you out for the next inning. That's just not how it works. Uh, I think he's been fine. Not great, but fine. And like you said, his relationships with players, they adore Luis Rojas, love him. And he's a blend of old school baseball and a blend of analytics. You know, he was on this staff as the quality control coach and he brought analytics to the table to Mickey Callaway like that was a that was a big part of his job is analytically helping make some decisions so I think Rojas deserves another shot I I think he will get another shot I don't think he's going to I don't think they're going to end up firing Luis Rojas after 60 games and they shouldn't so I'd I'd be interested to see if anything happens there, but no, I, I think Rojas deserves a, sh- a full spring training, a full season. And I know Andy Martino wrote a good piece about him the other day that maybe he stretched it a little bit by declaring that Rojas should be the manager for years to come. I mean, let's, let's let him win and do something first, but I think it would be a bit of an overreaction to dump him after 60 games. Yeah. I I like that you framed it that way because people that, you know, haven't liked Rojas or give the guy a chance, like honestly. And if he stinks next year, the team stinks after they add good players to the pitching rotation and get a good one back and have this young t- Like, can we talk about, you know, we're going to do the questions here in a second. We complain about 
you know, maybe uh, bad bullpen management, this and that. Like, is it just a coincidence that in a year where their pit, their hitting coach has not been with the team, that Dominic Smith has been one of the best hitters in baseball, like by far. You know, we've seen Michael Conforto go from a pretty good corner outfielder to a legitimate MVP caliber player. Like, there are... there. Andres Jimenez has been a breakout player. Jeff McNeil had one little slump, and is, it looks like Jeff McNeil again. You know, there's been ups and downs with Pete, um, and that's, you know, hopefully that's just the course of the short season, and we'll see the real Pete next year. But there's been really good developments with young players, and I think that... I'm not giving Rojas all the credit for that, but I'm also not saying it has nothing to do with him. Yeah, I, I think Rojas is a a good influence in the locker room, and I think he's he's building good team chemistry there. Uh, I don't know how much, like you said, we can say Rojas is a reason for Conforto's turnaround or you know Dom Smith being as good as he is, Jimenez. I, I don't know how much we can really put on Rojas, but I think he's he's building a good foundation for the team to build off just within the clubhouse. And let's be honest, that, that's honestly the biggest thing for a manager nowadays. Uh, like bullpen management, you can put the right guys in at the right spots and it doesn't work. You could put the wrong guys in at the right spot and, and it and it works. You know, it's, it's tough. And w- with the bullpen being as bad as it was this year, like what, what moves can you like distinctly think of where it's just like, wow, that was awful. Like, I guess that time he brought Edwin Diaz in with the bases loaded and then he walked the guy. Like, I guess that wasn't great, but he's your best reliever and it's the bomb of the eighth with two outs. It's the prime time to bring him in. It just didn't work. So I, I think the, the bullpen just is no bueno, <laughs> for lack of a better term. And yeah, yeah it's, it's bad. a bad bullpen. So you pick, you pick what bad player to yeah. put in. Because then people go, well, Castro didn't throw strikes today. Why did they put him in? Or Diaz couldn't pitch in a high leverage situation or Familia got hit in every single, you know, gap possible or Batanzas walked the bases. Like, what are you going to do? At some point you don't have bodies anymore to throw. Yeah. You don't have bodies. And if people don't, ultimately it's a performance business, right? Like these players are pros. They need to perform regardless of what situation they're put in. And I'm not saying the manager, bears no fault i mean there there is situations you know i mentioned the diaz bases loaded situation maybe it wasn't an ideal time to put him in but it's not all on the manager and i i think he built he's built a really good culture in the clubhouse that it seems more players are responding to than not and i i think players just love him <laughs> and in, in a good way they respect him it's not like he's just their buddy like they respect him as a baseball guy as someone that he's coached a good percentage of these guys throughout the minor leagues they've known him for a long time he aided in their development there so yeah Ro- rojas dessert i think he's getting too much flack from mets fans my personal opinion uh is he going to be a great manager i don't know Maybe, maybe not. If he has a great team, then he probably will, right? <laughs> like, I, sometimes it's as simple as that. If you build a really good team, it's much easier to coach that team than a not so a team with the amount of flaws that the Mets are dealing with right now, specifically on the pitching side. 
All right. With that being said, we're going to take a couple of questions here as we do to close out every episode. It's been a, fun, a ton of fun. Thanks to everyone, you know, that's listened to this podcast early on. Uh, we've loved doing it. It's only going to get bigger and better. And this is going to be talk about great timing with this offseason ahead. It is really, really going to be a blast. Talking about the Mets in the winter, who knew it could be fun? This first one from Almir underscore Lima Jr., Greetings from Brazil. As Nimmo's defensive struggles in center field continue, I wonder if you guys think center field can be an upgrade target this offseason. Springer is a free agent, but probably moving to a corner spot, and the market is not really exciting for outfielders this year. Thanks. All right, Joe, what do you think about... Uh, number one, I I agree. I don't think I can watch one more season of Nimmo in center field. I actually know I can't, <laughs> but I also have... I admittedly am not going to be the guy that screams it because I don't have a solution right now. Well, first I want to point out, I want to thank him for listening. We're internationally known, Connor. I, yeah. I, I, I remember when this happened in the early stages of Stick to Football, it was like the most excited I'd yeah. ever been because it blew my mind how worldwide podcasts are. So this is yeah. awesome that it's already happened with the That's So Metal. Yeah, pod. super exciting. So really thankful that he asked the question and makes a great point. Brandon Nimmo is not a center fielder. He wasn't a center fielder before this year, and he's still not a center fielder. No, that's why they drafted yeah, two. There, there's no, and it's no fault of his own. I mean, he tries really hard. It's certainly not that. It's just he has some limitations physically that I think limit him to a corner, left or right. Right field is basically Michael Conforto's spot. So Nimmo's a left fielder, and I have no problem with him as an everyday type left fielder. He's He's my kind of player, if I'm being totally honest. Hits for a good enough average, but gets on base at a high clip, has some pop, big-time hustle. That he, Brandon Nimmo's like my kind of guy. Like, I'd love to have a bunch of Brandon Nimmo's. But as far as center field... You're insane. <laughs> well, I'd rather have better players, too. But I'm just saying the the profile is what I, what I get behind. Uh, but in center field... He's correct. There's really not much. George Springer is technically a center fielder, but he's going to be playing probably right field going forward if we're going if we're being honest. And the rest of the free agent class is not exciting. I mean, you could go for a Jackie Bradley, sacrifice some offense and go for plus plus defense out there. That's an option. Starling Marte has a club option for 12 and a half million next year and he's played a pretty good center field this year actually uh, between Arizona and Miami. And who knows if Miami's willing to pick up a $12.5 million option. That's Those are a couple names, I guess, to think about. But it's, cer it's certainly a weak defensive center field class. I don't know what could be available in trade. But, you know, it's the point now where some things are going to have to be fulfilled through trade. There's not enough good free agents to get everything that you need slash desire. And... Center field's going to be a tough one, I think. So I, I think you might have to look the trade route in center field, but I, I'd be interested to see how they build the rest of their team. Because if the offense is so good around center field, can you sacrifice offense in center field and sign a Jackie Bradley Jr. and just say, I was, it's yeah. amazing you just did that. I was literally going to tee you up and ask that exact question. Yeah, so uh, that's, that's, an, uh, that's a good question, right? I think there's enough offense Let, let's I'm not going to get a, ahead of myself but let's let's say they signed JT Real Muto to go with Pete Alonso to go with Robinson Cano to go with Andres Jimenez and JD Davis 
and Jeff McNeil and Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto. Do you have enough offense with those guys to say, Jackie Bradley, you know, you have power, but you're going to hit for a real low average, not really get on base at a great clip, but you're going to play a really nice center field. I think that might be something worth considering. That's probably your best bet if you want to go through free agency to adequately fill center field defensively, which I assume is really the focus of the question. That's where I would stand. He's got pretty good speed. You know, not a great base stealer. Career high is 17 in 2018. And like you said, he just doesn't get on base at a high enough clip where he's the guy that's going to swipe 30 or 40 bags a year. But this is a team that before Jimenez started playing, they really didn't have much speed and they didn't have much defense. So I do like signing Jackie Bradley. And honestly, even if you look at it and you go, okay, there's days where Nimmo's going to play center and we're going to put Dom in, in left and Conforto in right, but most of the time Jackie Bradley is going to be our center fielder, and we're just going to, we need the defense out there, especially if you do have some pitchers out there that are pitching to contact. So I, I like that move. I don't really think he's going to have a great market. I know he's repped by Scott Boris, and I know he's a former first-round pick that expectations were huge, but – quite frankly he's he's just been a defensive first player so but I like that option it's it's the one that makes the most sense to me if you want a true center fielder and you feel you have enough pop everywhere everywhere else where the Mets are in a rare position where they realistically could so all right the next question from at uh, slim 49 are Pete Alonzo's struggles this season due to natural regression a shortened year a hitch in his swing, or something else? I'm not going to say natural regression because I do not think that's true. I don't think Pete Alonso is regressing. Uh, however, I did notice when he was having a real tough time, and he's, you know, it, it's been up and down a bit, but he's seemingly being a little more consistent of late, that he, he did have a bit of a hitch in his swing. I think Keith Hernandez broke it down really well on one of the broadcasts, and that was something that, I noticed when he was in the low minors, which had me kind of doubting his long-term future, but he worked it out. And I think it's a mechanical thing to be, to be totally honest that he's just, he's working through and it's a shortened season too. I, I think I said this last week, if Pete Alonso was, you know, inconsistent and not doing well for April and May in a full season, would you call his season over <laughs> and like he's bad this year that's what it is no because he would have a bunch of time to make up for it and and we don't know how this 60 game sprint is mentally impacting people are they putting more pressure on themselves to perform because people are still going to look at the stats that they put up whether it's 60 games or whatever they're still going to judge on how you perform so does he have additional pressure with that shortened season you know, I don't know, but I definitely don't think Pete Alonso's regressing. I still think he's certainly a long-term cog in this lineup. And he might just be one of the guys that doesn't hit for a high average and gets on base at an okay clip, strikes out a good amount, and hits a bunch of homers. Like, there's a lot of power hitters that are that way. And I don't think that's necessarily a horrible thing, but, you know, it's I, I don't think he's regressing. Let's just put it that way. No, I don't think so either. I think, number one, if I asked you, Joe, before the season, 
How many home runs do you think Pete hits in a 60-game season? What would you say? 15, probably. That's yeah. what I would – so I would say 15. I would say 15. He's hit 11 yeah. so far, right? So – and Pete hits him in bunches where – I mean, Pete could easily finish with 15-plus home runs mm-hmm. right now. So the power is there. He he does get on base. He has strike- – he strikes out a lot, which I think we knew that anyway. And like you said, sure, the average isn't great, but I just think Alonzo is a guy that, one, always wants to make an impact, almost to a fault, where they posted a stat in the beginning of this year that he saw, like, the least amount of pitches in the strike zone last year, as a, which is mind-blowing as a rookie. So, guys, what do you think? They're going to throw him strikes after a 53-home run yeah. season? I just think Pete chases a lot. He's chasing a lot this year. He's dying to make an impact, and I think somebody needs to talk to Pete and say, listen, this isn't your rookie year anymore. This is a team where, usually in front of you, but you have one of the best players in baseball right now in Michael Conforto. You have one of the hitters of this, best hitters of this generation in Robinson Cano, who is still a very productive offensive player. You have offensive fire. You have one of the best young hitters in the NL in Dom Smith. That is often in the lineup with you. You don't need to chase to make it. Now, you don't want to mess up a guy, right? You don't want to tell him to be patient to a fault where Pete hits 25 home runs in a season and he's just an on-base machine. Like, you want Pete Alonso to hit 40-plus home runs every year. But I, I do think there needs to be maybe a combo where you don't want Pete to press, and Pete is pressing this year, and Pete has not been terrible this year or anything close to that. He's a heart and soul of the team. He he hits for power. He's hit, he just loves to hit after the seventh inning, which is wonderful. Yeah. Great. Love that. I, I just think Pete is a guy that as he matures and gets older is going to realize I don't need to be super the Superman for this team every day anymore. This team is so good that I can take a walk. My, my walks are there. Take the walks and let guys drive you in. That's okay. Yeah, the, the walks will prove valuable when you have an offense around you. And like you said, the way so many guys in this lineup are performing, he has those pieces around him, and hopefully it only gets better in the future. But yeah, man, take your walks. It's okay. You don't, you don't need to feel like you have to hit a home run every time. I don't want to sap away his aggressiveness. And when you're an aggressive power hitter, you're going to strike out a lot. That's just the way it is. And But take some walks and you know trust the people around you that they're going to drive you in and you'll have your moments you'll hit your homers he'll hit plenty of them and his uncanny ability after seventh inning is awesome so like you said and can't wait for the Mets to be in the playoffs and Pete Alonso to hit you know a walk-off home run or an eighth inning home run to take the lead at City Field with people there like I can't wait for it so Stevie Cohen Bring us that winning team, and Pete, get ready because you're you'll get your moments. Yeah, my gut feeling is much like Cindergard was, and people forget this a lot. Alonzo will be a big time postseason player. I, I just have that feeling. He's an energy guy. He feeds off the crowd. He feeds off of moments. We saw it with Cindergard. That's who he's going to be, and I think that's very, very. Um, and we saw it with Conforto. It's something to be excited about. So the last question to close out. Our latest episode here from at underscore Heedle. And this is something we did t- talk about a lot in the beginning of the show, but we'll give you a, a flat out answer here. You guys are in charge. If you guys are in charge, are you bringing back Brody, Rojas, both or neither next season? And my stance is 
Timing matters. There's a, a realistic scenario where I'm, I'm bringing back both. I'm bringing back Rojas no matter what. I want to make that clear. I am bringing back Rojas no matter what. Brody, if you don't get approved till November, I see a scenario where Cohen brings in a baseball advisor to cross-check Brody's moves. You go through the offseason with Brody, and you probably have a real process at the end of you know the following season. Um, that That's where I stand on it. If this was approved today, I would look to replace Brody right away, and I would keep Rojas. What would you do, Joe? I'd, I'd love to be able to have a counter, but I think I feel exactly the same. If, if this sale doesn't close until mid-November, you know, I, I know Mets fans are going to hear this and probably want to pull their hair out, but if this sale is not approved until mid-November, I can't actually say that I think is a good idea to try to start over at general manager. Write that in there. Uh, like you said, I think Brody's, you know, he, he'd be on the line for sure. And I think he might only have one more year left yeah, if he doesn't win. But if the sale's not approved till that time frame, it's tough. I, I can't imagine going through an interview process and then a second level of interview process. Uh, unless he has somebody just in mind that he's like, I'm going to get this guy and I'll get him that day. <laughs> uh I, I might keep Brody if we're looking at mid-November. But like you said, if it gets approved at the end of the season or sometime in the very near future, then I have no problem starting over, getting a new general manager, and you know, giving this a whirl with somebody else. But as far as Luis Rojas goes, I'm keeping Luis Rojas, no questions asked. I actually think I might be upset if they got rid of him, truly. Yeah. Me too. I actually was going to say that. I w- it would bother yeah. me, uh, honestly. It really would. Yeah, I think so. So I-, I think the answer is, I can't give you, I guess I can't give the straight, straight answer. Rojas keep no matter what. Timing-based, Brody. If, you know, Brody could stay if he if the approval isn't until sometime in November. And, you know, we'll give it a shot and bring in a Sandy Alderson like you had mentioned before or some other senior baseball guy out there that can kind of help out for this transition. Because the ownership, it's not like, you know, I think Steve Cohen's going to make a significant move or two just to show that I'm here, I have money, and I care about winning. But I don't think Steve Cohen's coming in and then the very next second, like, going to go nuts and just blow everything up. He's way too good of a businessman to do that. So I'm very interested to see how he does it. But I think, yeah, I I think Brody might get a chance to be GM for one more year. And I'm very sorry if that makes you mad. And please don't crash your car if you're listening in the car. (laughs) The the inspiring thing with uh, Cohen is that he's a Mets fan like me or you. And I think the Mets fan has a different understanding that, one, this team has a very, very good young core, and two, they are wasting one of the greatest pitchers I have ever seen in my lifetime that happens to be a New York Met. And the beauty of this is Jacob DeGrom's 32, and that is not old for a starting pitcher. I I don't want to start making, you know— assumptions how many great years Jacob deGrom has left or or anything like that but what we do know is Jacob deGrom is incredible right now he was incredible the last couple of years before that and Jacob deGrom is going to be a New York Met next year the year after that 
And then he has a player opt-out. But once again, I don't think you're really sweating uh, internal extensions. Yeah. Go ahead, opt-out. We'll give you so, more money. That's fine. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. If Jacob deGrom continues to be Jacob yeah. deGrom. So I think Cohen is going to come in with the realization that, you know, he's not buying a team that is starting from scratch. He's buying a team that has a really good lineup and a really good young lineup and is a couple pieces away in the rotation and the bullpen, sure, but he's coming in and he's thinking, hey, I'm not I'm not 30 years old. I'm not I'm not trying to win 10 years yeah. from now. I'm trying to win 2 years from yeah. now. So let's do this. Thing, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it I mean that's how it that's how it goes. I'll leave it at that. Uh Joe, any closing thoughts? No, uh, I think you're spot on and Steve Cohen, you know, he's 64, I believe. So this is a guy that's always been aggressive. I think he's ready to come in and try to win and you know, we'll we'll see what exactly he accomplishes, but I think it's exciting. I went out to my 7-Eleven today, and I got the New York Post and the New York Daily News just so I could uh, keep these these headlines for, you know, hopefully when they're cracking the champagne bottles and winning and winning cool. a World Series. I'll, I'll have memory of the day that Steve Cohen actually signed the paperwork to become the new Mets owner. But yeah. That's really cool. I've only done that. I forget what I did it for. When I was a kid, I have it for something. But the only time I've done it recently is, uh, by chance, I was in France when they won the World Cup. And on my way um, out of France that morning, I made sure to pick up the newspapers. Because that's just like, it's those sports moments that you'll you'll never forget. And it's even cooler to have it I, I, uh, on that front page. I news. thought you framed the uh, Adam Gase one when the Jets hired Adam Gase. No, I'll be framing the one in January. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's the one I'll That's be framing. Great. What a horrible two oh, years. Man. Good Rough. lord, man. It's I needed this Mets rejuvenation because besides the Rangers, I I was pretty much lifeless with sports right now. So thank you, New York Knicks. Uh thank you, New York Jets. But boy, we got some hope. And like I said, just having a blast with this show. Uh, a, another fun episode and, and you know we're gonna have some more guests on for you guys is when we do get to the off season. but right now you're you're stuck with me and joe just chopping it up about all the great things coming our way that's a wrap on episode five we will catch you guys next week get on team shack with WinBet. we're playing parlays boosting odds and laying the wildest prop bets don't miss another game download the WinBet sports betting app today Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. That's $200 that you can use for all the upcoming basketball action, including the men's basketball tournament. If you bet at least $500 during the first and second round of the tournament, you can get a trip to the five-star rated Win Las Vegas. Offer subject to change, terms, and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.